Welcome to the Couch Lutters Podcast. Hey Rob, how are you? Trent, these are strange times that we're living That's in. That's exactly why I'm asking you how you are. As you know, with this coronavirus going around the world, everyone is pivoting and adapting the way they do things. And we've done that for the podcast. We have indeed. We are about 12 kilometres from each other. Yeah, we're, we're recording from different studios, if the phrase our home offices could be called a studio, on separate mics. We're hoping we can splice it all together and it will all work. So this week we're extremely fortunate to be joined by Bradley Slabe. He's a wonderful filmmaker, a really interesting guy, and I actually had a great chat with him. Now, the interview that I did with Bradley was down in Melbourne a few weeks ago, just to provide some context, just to understand that the world was a different place when the interview was done. It's important for us to give you guys a bit of guidance as to you know, what's watchable and what you should and what you shouldn't be watching. Well, hopefully, but you know, this is all just in the name of fun and in these times, distraction. Okay, well, speaking of fun and distraction, Rob, I've been wanting to know for a few weeks now, and, you know, I'm hoping that people out there do as well. What have you been watching? There's a documentary on Amazon at the moment called The Test, a new era for the Australian Test Team, a fly-on-the-wall documentary of the Australian cricket team as they cope with the post-Sandpaper Gate, which really touched on bigger issues with Australian identity and how they moved to a new coach, a new captain, and how they progressed over about 18 months from a bunch of nobodies to a more successful team. But the interesting thing is being that fly on the wall, how they integrate the two star players, Steve Smith and Dave Warner, back into the team. So again, look, it's obviously preferential if you know a little bit about cricket, but the truth is it's a very powerful eight-part documentary available on Amazon. Highly recommended. Okay, so let's just get this straight. I'm I'm saying that I am standing up here, hand on heart. Maybe it's un-Australian. I hate cricket. Uh, I've talked before about loving sport. Well, as far as I'm concerned, cricket isn't a sport. (laughs) I hope that's not too controversial, but that's my feelings about it. You need to sell me better. I've got to be honest on why I should be watching this. There's so much to watch. There's so many sports that I could watch replays of. Why am I watching this one? Okay. Well, firstly, there's very little actual cricket that it's showing. The real thing is seeing the personalities. I would say the star of documentary is Australian coach, a guy called Justin Langer, who's an incredibly passionate guy who is quite unconventional, but he really wears his heart on his sleeve. And he's really trying to mentor these this young team. You see their failures and you see their reaction. You see things in you know, when they fail, what happens in the background. You also see how the personalities come out when they're dealing with integrating Steve Smith and David Warner. So even if you're not a cricket fan, you know that they were caught cheating. So seeing them integrated back into the team and how he's handled that with some conventional and unconventional method. You're, you're getting warmer, so to speak. What got me interested, though, and maybe this might be something for other people to grab onto, is the idea of that... Um, disconnect between the behavior of the team and their sense of what and their self-identity their sense of what it is to be Australian and an Australian sportsman and how those two things maybe are in conflict with each other would you say that's prominent in the show absolutely and it it is also the the other thing and this is similar in a way to the Taylor Swift documentary whoa 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 Taylor hang on cricket to Taylor Swift okay it's it's about being in the media bubble and how how 
awful and challenging that can be. And especially when the team goes to India where you literally can't move without someone trying to get a selfie with you. You actually are selling me on this. The fact that you are able to introduce a Taylor Swift reference into something about cricket has got me intrigued. So is there anything else that you want to recommend just while you've got, you've opened up the door to my curiosity? There's a TV series available on Stan called Rummy. Oh, R-A-M-Y. Yeah. Love that show. And Rummy Yusuf is a first-generation Muslim stand-up comedian from New Jersey, and it explores what it's like for him battling with faith and morals and basically being a different generation, being... I suppose you're classic millennial in a generation with no consequence. It's it's really quite interesting to see how he reacts to both faith and morals in this day and age. And the parallels with the Jewish community are so obvious. Like it, it reminded me of the people that will say, "No, no, no, I I don't I don't eat pork, but I'll still have I'll still have my prawn cocktail." Well, you know, you do not need to sell me on this one. I've actually watched the show, and it's an excellent call. I couldn't recommend it any more than you could. I think it's absolutely superb. And, you know, there's plenty of Jewish content in that for the for people who are hearing a show about a Muslim. Well, he's got a Jewish girlfriend. Various comments that his uncle, who's a diamond trader, says about Jews in the show makes it worth watching in and in itself. There's so many similarities. Why are we at war? It's, it, it really is like a familiar cousin. <laughs> well, we're all Semites, right? <laughs> The Couch Lutkers podcast, dishing up the full Megillah. Trent, as you know, our podcast was born out of the Couch Lutkers Facebook group. What's been going on in that group? Look, uh, the, the one that's most relevant to our times and something that you and I will be addressing is a question of what people are preparing to binge watch now that they're uh, self-isolating or social distancing. Um, and of all the comments that uh, I saw related to that. Uh, David Wolfowitz, I've got a question for you. Why are you embarrassed by Avatar The Last Airbender? It's a great show. It's That's the animated series from about maybe uh, 15 years ago. It's one of the truly great kids animated series set in a mystical kind of parallel dimension, Asia. It's a great show. Now, if he'd happened to be talking about The Last Airbender, which is the film adaptation by M. Night Shyamalan, Yes, he has every right to be embarrassed. But the fact that he's referencing the show, David, you're a man of taste and class. The Couch Luckers podcast, always ready to dish the schmutz. I'm going to share something with you now. It's not a secret. You probably already know it implicitly. You just don't need to think about it that much. And that is, whatever story you're consuming, whether it's in a book, on the stage, on a screen, or through your ears, it will engage and hold you or not by how much it adheres to this essential conflict. That is, a story is about someone who wants something really badly, but is having a lot of trouble getting it. And today, we're delighted to have joining us on the Couch Luckers podcast to dig into pop culture, a filmmaker who understands the essence of story conflict better, in my opinion, than most. A storyteller that once perfectly distilled the essence of story conflict into the ultimate premise. That's very flattering. (laughs) A cactus and a balloon fall in love. Welcome, Bradley Slade. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's, it's great to have you here, Bradley. And for the listeners who need credentials, Bradley is the winner of the Yoram Gross Animation Award at the Sydney Film Festival, an Actor Award for Best Short Animation, and the Major and Animation Awards at the Australian Writers Guild, all for his delightful, moving, and impeccably made stop-motion short film, Lost and Found. 
something that you should be streaming as soon as you possibly can. But even more importantly, Bradley is a mensch. So with these bona fides accounted for, let's get on with it. Cool, thanks so much for having me here, Trent. It's our pleasure, mate. Um, what we like to start with is something called in the fryer quick fire questions. So it's the case where you might want to just answer before necessarily thinking. So the first one is, Adam Sandler, yes or no? Yes. Really, why? Anything in particular? Uncut Jams. Oh, you know what? That is one of the greatest films of the year. I don't know why it hasn't been Oscar nominated. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, next one. Mel Brooks or Woody Allen? Oof. Yeah. I want to say Woody Allen, but I don't know how kosher that is to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not lucky, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's That's, uh, that's an interesting question. Can you disassociate a person's personal life from their creative output and you know what does that say in terms of you know people that might know you and versus your work and my work i i've always been an advocate of the artist and the person being a separate thing mm -hmm. i know uh, before i say this i know that jerry seinfeld would back me up but the cosby show can still be a brilliant show mm -hmm. and the monster that bill cosby came to be but even that i feel has is a limit? I, I, I can't imagine myself ever buying a Hitler painting. And I've had this conversation with other people. I'm just like, I think looking at a painting of his, I just, I don't think I'd be able to separate it. So it's, I think there, for me, there is a limit. Okay. And so in the case of Woody Allen, the limit is defined? <clears throat> for me, I can still enjoy a Woody Allen movie. Okay. Even something like Manhattan where he's... Interest and taste in young women is absolutely put on the screen. I, yeah, because it's now, now I watch it in a different context. But the first time I watched it with not being privy to all the backstory and everything, I really enjoyed that film. Yeah. And, you know, Mel Brooks just isn't controversial enough to even, you know, pose that question. <laughs> but, I mean, he's so... His sense of humor is like it, it epitomizes what Jew, Jewish humor is. Yes, <clears throat> it's the the Borscht Belt shtick. If people are familiar with that, yeah, Catskills, you know, the uh, which is a part of New York State where Jews went to holiday, and part of their holiday experience was to uh, listen to comedians go and have a laugh. Yeah. yeah, so it's like a nice, yeah, he's a very found, like a four quadrant comedian. <laughs> <laughs> That's our industry speak. Maybe you should uh, explain that to people who don't know what that means. So if four quadrant is, I forgot what the age is, but it's pretty much male and female below 15 and male and mm. female above 15. And those are the four kind of audiences you try and get. Uh, next one, Sasha Baron Cohen or Taika Waititi? <clears throat> Taika. Go on. Uh, I feel like his film has a bit of sweetness, which I try and kind of push into my own work. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of what Sacha Baron Cohen does. I think n now he's kind of got a lot of depth. I think Sacha Baron Cohen has a lot of talent. And when, whatever character he puts on screen, it's one of those things. This is going to be a weird comparison. But like Sean Penn, when he plays a role on screen, I don't see Sean Penn. I see a character. Mm -hmm. It's one of those actors that can completely embody someone and Sasha Baron Cohen being the same, just a different genre. Yeah. Um, but what Taika Waititi, I think in his writing, I just, 
I feel a lot more connected to the story and I really like that he's not afraid to go to dark places. There's a perfect balance of humour and uh, heart. Watching TV in the morning, acceptable or not? I, acceptable, 100%. I mean, you do you, but uh, <laughs> I, I think... I'm so, yeah, I imagine we'll get up to this. My routine just wouldn't be able to allow that. Okay, another kind of lifestyle uh, question. Would you eat chicken soup in front of the TV? It's, it's good to know your limitations, right? <laughs> I need to be able to have full eye contact. I'm that person that if I don't hear a word, I need to pause, rewind. I'm a very annoying co-viewer. So, so maybe a similar question, extension that is, uh, would you be on a device? Would while, I be on a device? While watching no. Some... no, that's the airplane mode. Very good. Correct answer. <laughs> um, you know, I just noticed something looking down that's going to give me the answer to this next one before I even ask it. And you'll know why as soon as uh, I ask the question. Friends or Seinfeld? <laughs> um, just, uh, just for those people who are wondering, what am I talking about? Bradley, do you want to share with everyone your socks? The socks that you're currently wearing? How do you notice that? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, I'm wearing my Seinfeld socks. Seinfeld socks. <laughs> Yeah, my party so, gaming, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, would the answer be Seinfeld? Oh, well, that's, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's hard being honest, but <laughs> no, I, I feel like, okay, uh, I identify myself as an introvert. Okay. And so, I do need time socializing and I do need time by myself, but I know that I get my energy stores from being alone and... <laughs> And to answer the question from that frame, I think I would be able to be more whole watching Seinfeld over France. <laughs> if I was stuck in a desert island, I think okay. I would be, I would stay sane longer with a box set of Seinfeld. Uh, linking back uh, to the <clears throat> earlier question about uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Taika Waititi, maybe this one's linked in, that is, uh, what would you rather be when watching or listening, uh, provoked or amused? Uh, provocative. It stays with you longer. I feel like I'm... Uh, triggered. Not, I, just, not triggered, uh, just provoked. <laughs> provoked, yeah. It, triggered, I would... Uh, no, I, I, I use um, kind of content as a means to escape. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I never like being blindsided. Uh, we've got two more to go. Um, These are fun. Yeah. Two words to describe the quintessential Jewish point of view. Petty neurotic. Petty neurotic. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to link that to the other couch. For all those people out there, take a bet what you will. <laughs> and the last one, uh, we always like to end with a question that is more of a general knowledge question. One that if you get correct, you earn the uh, gorgeous Muzzle Tov gold sticker uh, provided by <laughs> Uh, gold world of Judaica. So the question is, uh, ready? (laughs) Yes, stakes extremely high. Can you name the Jewish creator of Porky Pig, Yosemite Sam, Sylvester, Speedy Gonzalez, and other classic Warner Brothers cartoon characters? I didn't... uh, See, I don't know if there's a trick question. Hanna-Barbera? He's not Jewish though, is he? No, they're, they're, they're actually two guys. All right. Well, there, there you go. That's. But <laughs> Hannah Barbera is like the greatest name for a Jewish grandmother ever. <laughs> It'd be Hannah Barbara. <laughs> well, but Hannah, well, either way, but still, <laughs> uh, it's okay not to know. I just get to keep the sticker. 
Oh, and we'll give it to someone else. Oh, I can see the stickers. Oh, no. <laughs> What's the answer? It's Frizz Freeling. So, Rob, there's something special happening today. Today, March 26th. Yeah, it's 6pm. What's happening at 6pm tonight? For the very first time, Couch Luckers will be hosting a live Netflix party. Wow, are we not adapting to these crazy times? They're not going to Netflix and chill, they're going to Netflix and chat. What are we chatting about? Brand new series, Unorthodox. Do you know much about it? I know a little bit. What I do know is that it's a show about a young woman called Esty who leaves the Setma Hasidic community in Williamsburg to start a new life in Berlin, Germany. Set an alarm, 6pm, go to Couch Lutka's Facebook group and join the chat. You'll have a great time. What is your dirty little secret as far as viewing or listening? Something that, you know, you... Might be prepared to turn the TV off if someone was to walk in the room or turn the podcast off because you're not sure how you'd feel about someone knowing that you like that. I listen to a lot of Disney musicals in the car. Like? Uh, what was the most recent one? Pocahontas Colors of the Wind was a, an absolute uh, <laughs> belter in the car I the other day. So, I am so grateful that you're sharing this. <laughs> Is that because, you know, frequently uh, you have kids in the car? Uh, I, I do have two uh, boosters in the back, yeah. but no one was in the car. Wow. Um, so is there any particular film that has, or anything in particular that makes you cry? Any film in particular that makes me any cry? Any film or, or show? When was the last time you cried? Oh, it's a bluey episode. Uh, if any, uh, Bluey is. Yeah, do you want to share with everyone what Bluey is? Uh, Bluey is a, a preschool show mm-hmm. um, on ABC iView that's done by uh, kind of I consider them like a mom and pop shop animation yeah, studio Brisbane, in Brisbane. Right? Yeah, yeah the, everything's done under the, the one roof, which they really lean into, and it's it's created by Joe Brum, and it is. Uh, Every episode seems to go against the grain in terms of what we think children need to know. It's very honest and very human. Yeah. And there's an episode called Camping, which really taps into the bittersweetness of what it's like to not be able to say goodbye to someone. And I, yeah, I, I've watched that episode twice and I've watched it again recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it shapes me to my core. The next question... <laughs> Uh, I'm particularly interested in had a lot of uh, time working in childcare in your background mm-hmm. um, you know still do bits and pieces just, yeah, for, just, just, be... just for the love of it right yeah <laughs> well, that's marks a key demographic yeah well, that's right so the thing that I want to know from you is what what would you recommend as mandatory viewing for any 16 year old but maybe in your case as well any 6 year old for... there was a picture story book called The Giving Tree Okay. Yeah. Which was actually um, a book that I wanted to, you know, that, that I had a feeling state at the end that I wanted to kind of regenerate in my short film. But it's a, it's a book by Shel Silverstein mm-hmm. that is about this tree that keeps uh, giving every part of itself to this little boy who it's befriended. And it's 
what I love about it, and I think it was actually the first band when it came out in the 50s. Okay. Um, because of its, it wasn't necessarily a sugar-coated story, mm-hmm. which is probably why I love it. But um, <clears throat> it's... So it, you're it, talking it, about there's a bittersweet or melancholy... There's a, there's a... Well, it's, there are two ways to read into the story, and one is that it's uh, the unconditional love of a parent, mm-hmm. uh, and you give and give and give to your child, not expecting anything in the return, which is a sweet version, but it's also clearly can be read in another way where it's an unreciprocated relationship, where they think they're getting something back, but really they're the only one contributing to the relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's something really for me, poignant about that because I think that is how most relationships operate and there's something that it hurts because it's truthful and I can relate to that on a personal level and there's a, yeah, you finish the book and it's, you're kind of torn because you want to be happy for this tree that it got what it wanted but it's also, you feel so heartbroken for it at the same time. If anyone can try and find it, I mean, it's so, there is so little text. It's, I think it's like 25 pages where every page has a line on it. And it's, Mm. and I think that's, that's inspired me so much as a writer for, and also why I'm a fan of short film as its own medium, how much emotion you can evoke from really stripping back every element you can and just seeing how story can affect you. So, I mean, my short film, we didn't have any dialogue. Yeah. We had it as a seven minute film and we really try to kind of utilize that. Well, how much motion can we milk from this? Is there something that you can recommend um, to people out there that you think they might not know about? Um, something that's been flying under the radar. I mean, you've, you've recently spent quite a lot of time traveling around the world off the back of your short film, going to film festivals seeing things that might not get into, I hate this term, the mainstream. And I just finished Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which finished brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a show that is, amongst, you know, critics, is universally lauded. That's yeah. a show that a lot of people don't actually know about. Do you want to just maybe... And that's a good example. Is it something that okay, you want fantastic. to just like give, it's, give us a taste of? It is, it's hard for me to know, because in my circle, in our circle... Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like, oh, how people, how, how, how would people have missed it? Not even watched it, but how would they... I used to say, we're inside baseball, we're in the weeds. Right, yeah. okay. Bojack Horseman is this adult animated series, and probably, well, it was Netflix's first adult animated series, and one I'm so grateful for, because it's really loosened the cap for what people see animation to be. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... Uh, it's proven that, which is what uh, something that a lot of animators and you know filmmakers know, and that is that animation isn't a genre. We're talking about feeling state. Animation doesn't have any particular intended feeling state. It's just a medium and a tool to evoke a feeling state. Yeah. So you could have a, a horror animation. You could, and which I've seen. You know, I premiered in America with uh, a photorealistic animation that was horror and it was brilliant um but so what bojack horseman does it's about this washed up uh actor who had a successful career in the heyday on a show like uh the cosby show and is now struggling to deal with his significance 
and mm. how to kind of feel like it still has purpose. And it's it's this half, uh, it's this, you know, this world that's kind of based on our set in LA, whereas some people are animals or not, but it doesn't have to be that at all. It It's funny and they, yes, I mean, I'm sure they'll throw their hand up and say guilty, yet they lean into animal puns. And <laughs> I think what makes that show special though is how deep and kind of honest these character arcs are. What is it about animation for you? Because your your short film is a particular type of animation. I mentioned the word painstaking. It took, mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was three years of, of uh, work. It's stop motion. For, for those people who don't know what stop motion is, it might be worth explaining it just, you know, to get a really clear picture of it. So it's a particular type of animation that is incredibly laborious and time-consuming mm-hmm. and detailed. And so why is it that you felt that you needed to you know, tell your story through that particular medium? Okay, so a couple of questions. Yeah, there's a few that... questions in there. Um, so what is it about animation that uh, appeals to you as a, as a medium for, for telling okay, your stories? So yeah. I, I think... I might end up circling back to this as well. So, but um, animation for me allows us to tell really hard stories to listen to, but with a veil in between. So it's the way I like to look at animation is you can watch a story with a, because it's animation and it's kind of hyper real, Mm it feels like you're watching a story with a window between you. So you can actually open that window whenever you like. If that makes sense, you've got this protection, right? So I, I know. So my, uh, my the story that uh, I wrote and co-directed with Andrew Goldsmith, mm-hmm. it's just called Lost and Found. Um, it's about a crochet doll that uh, has to unravel to save the love of its life, mm. and we screened that in Italy. And someone asked, "Why didn't you do that in live action?" And that's when I kind of figured it out because I was like, well, if we did a live action, it would kind of feel like a horror film to see like a, a human unravel. But I was like, it's not about the unraveling. It's about what that, what it means to completely unspool yourself or, or something. Give yourself over. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And I think animation is that pain or that window in between that you can have that story of a person literally, you know, <laughs> unraveling themselves yeah. or someone. But we get to watch it without being repulsed. We get to project our own feelings onto these characters because it's not like, oh, there's a white Caucasian 35 act out like, and that automatically having certain um, connotations or a certain, like, you know, relating to you on a certain level. That's it's, something it's, that's it's more universal. It's easier to judge people than it is to judge, uh, you know, Animated characters, is that yeah. maybe something that you're removing yeah. that that instinctive um, desire to to judge? It's not. It's, it's not. I'm not judging people for doing it. I'm just saying that's what we all do. We have to pigeonhole. Yeah, yeah. And you, it's harder to pigeonhole uh, crochet uh, fox. For yeah. Example. Well, I think I, I think we end up being more open-minded. Yeah, that's to, that's a much yeah. better way of putting it. Anyway, it might be a, a good opportunity for uh, me to remind you once again. Please go and watch Lost and Found. Where can they yes. find it? Uh, they can find it online. Uh, on Vimeo, YouTube, you can visit our website, uh, lostandfound.film. Yeah. Um, it should be there. 
Yeah, and uh, for anyone who has had their curiosity sparked about the whole process of making stop motion animation, I know that there's an excellent article with you, well, interview with you, uh, Stop Motion Geek. Yes, uh, Stop Motion uh, Geek, yes. Yeah, uh, dot com, and there's also a really good podcast interview on Tonkocast uh, yes. podcast. Uh, if you want to actually, <laughs> if you want to uh, learn more about that process, particularly after watching the film, you'll see the the beauty and the rigor involved in making it. You really should listen and uh, read those um, interviews. Um, but please watch the film; it's it's absolutely stunning. Oh, thank you. And I should mention, if you are interested in um, the stop uh, motion as a technique, if you do go to our website, which was lost and found film. Um, under the actual film is a 90-second behind-the-scenes mm. clip which kind of just has a, a speed-through of all the different techniques and might just kind of pique your interest in terms of little bits and pieces of how you can kind of uh, perform stop-motion. Yeah, there's just so many talented people out there <clears throat> who uh, dedicate so much of their time and effort to truly interesting, beautiful and, and profound things. Bradley is one of them. Do yourself a favour and, and engage with it. Give yourself the chance to, to be uh, immersed in it. And uh, all that remains to be said is thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Trent. Great. The Couch Luckers Podcast. Slapping through the zeitgeist so you don't have to. Bradley had so many interesting things to say. Hopefully we can actually release quite a bit more on the little nosh. We covered a lot of ground and it's all gold. <laughs> So, Trent, have you got anything that you're going to be binging over the next couple of weeks? I certainly am. And for those people who uh, haven't figured it out yet, I have access to basically every streaming service. So what I'm going to do is cherry pick some of the shows that I haven't caught up with yet that I am ready to go and binge from each of the, the main streaming services. So are you ready, Rob? I've got my pen and paper in front of me. Okay, so on Foxtel, particularly Fox Showcase, there's the second season of Barry, a wonderful show that is a Bill Hader's baby. There is There are so many reasons to watch his show. One of them in particular is the actress Sarah Goldberg. She plays the female lead in it, and she is superb. Number two from Foxtel is... The Plot Against America, obviously. And number three is Arthur Miller, writer. It's a documentary about the famous Jewish playwright. Obviously, well, I'm assuming everyone's heard of him. Uh, Death of a Salesman, for example. The Crucible, another. The documentary is by his daughter, Rebecca Miller. On iTunes, I thought it'd be a really good companion piece to The Plot Against America to uh, download and watch the film The Spirit of St. Louis. That's by the all-time great Jewish writer-director Billy Wilder. It's a biopic about Charles Lindbergh, who obviously is a very big presence in The Plot Against America TV show and book. Billy Wilder was a Holocaust... Well, he escaped just before the Holocaust, but was an emigre from Germany and Austria very much a Jewish man. I'm very curious to watch that film to see how he portrays Charles Lindbergh. Disney Plus, there's three things that I am absolutely ready to binge. One is the documentary about rock climbing, Free Solo. The second is actually a film I've seen before. It's one of Danny Boyle's best. I can't wait to watch it again with my kids. It's called Minions. It is an incredible film about 
two little boys that find a bag of money. And the third is possibly, in my opinion, the best kids animated TV show ever made called Recess. I am going to be binging that with my kid. On Amazon, there's maybe 40 things I want to watch, but I've picked three. That is the TV series adaptation of the film Hannah about the child assassin. Then there's Picard, which we've talked about with Alice Fraser in the past. And thirdly, there's Ilana Glazer. Now, she's half of the Broad City team. She's got a new stand-up comedy special called The Planet is Burning. I'm looking forward to that. And finally, on Netflix, boy... This was a real challenge. I think I've got it down to five shows. One is Narcos. I've seen two episodes. I want to see more. Another one is Ozark. That's a Jason Bateman crime thriller. Love Jason Bateman. Want to watch more. There's a brand new series called Medical Police. It's a comedy that's an offshoot of the wonderful uh, comedy show Children's Hospital. Funnily enough, it's about a secret police team that works for the CDC and they are tasked with tracking down the source of a virus. They really were onto something when they came out with that and released it about a month ago. Uh, The last two are Daybreak, which is a quasi-comedy about an apocalypse where no one over the age of 18 survives, Uh, and it's done in the style of a 1980s John Hughes comedy. And finally is a documentary that's based on a book that I loved about Egyptian double agent who was also an Israeli spy. It's called The Man Who Fell to Earth. The book is called The Angel. So there, the guy, there's this guy, Asraf Marwan, who was NASA. He was the president of Egypt. He was his son-in-law. He was also an Israeli spy. I'm really looking forward to watching that because I've read the book and it's an amazing story. So all those recommendations will come up in the notes of the podcast. Indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm filling in a few gaps in my one and also doing a bit of uh, parental education of what I think my kids need to watch or what they've missed. I haven't seen The Last Jedi and I feel obliged to watch it. Really? What's the obligation? Well, I've seen every other Star Wars movie and I just missed it at the movie. The other one, which I've seen at the movies, but I do want to share with my kids, and it's a recent Academy Award, is 1917 because it is one stunning piece of movie making executed in an amazing way by director Sam Mendes. Who happens to be Jewish. Uh, a, fin- a final couple of things to watch. The classic movie I want to watch with my kids that we've somehow all avoided watching together is Stand By Me. I think with all the stuff going on with Corey Feldman and obviously the late River Phoenix starring in this film, it's a classic. I want to see if it dates. That's often my thing, to see if movies date. And I'm still religiously watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, which to me is a given for any listener of the Couch Luckers podcast. You you must be across that Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think you're up to series, this may be series eight or nine, but all of its goals, you, you will cringe, but you won't be disappointed. Okay, good recommendations. I really do need to get back into Curb. I've let it go for far too long. I need my Larry David. Oh, look, one more final one, actually. Oh, yeah? This is uh, this is on Amazon and very apt for our audience. It's called Fiddler, A Miracle of Miracles. And it's, it's a very compelling documentary on Fiddler on the Roof and how it's played out over the years and also its origin story. Fascinating for, any, for anyone that's uh, been or seen, and I imagine everyone's, uh, as a minimum, seen it. 
it's worth watching. I didn't know a lot of the origin story and how it played out and even how it was received when it came out and also how it's been uh, reinterpreted across different cultures. That really does sound interesting. I'm so glad that a film called Fiddler is about Fiddler on the Roof. (laughs) So that's Fiddler, a miracle of miracles. Be careful in your search engines. (laughs) Okay, that's great, Robert. So thanks for listening. Obviously, uh, if you have the time to review, rate or recommend our show, we greatly appreciate it. So until next time, Rob. Thanks, Trent. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Couch Luckers podcast. This podcast has been produced by etals.com.au.